0: Thank God we are here. Tennis is still happening, even though it felt like Tennis and Bagels is just a non-entity for the past few year, few weeks. I don't even think that there was anything happening like in Canada or the US. <laughs> I was joking, of course, that there was. Uh, we were just not there to, to witness it. I was working really hard and so was Vansh. And as you can tell, well, as I'm about to say, rather um owen's also really busy and he couldn't join us today but he's also alive and well thank you very much um owen if you listen to this uh, we wish you're here to the strong comeback of uh tennis and bagels but we're here me and vansh vansh we actually started um this partnership about a year ago and i think that it was only for for the good uh it it just made the podcast much better so i don't know if it's exactly one year but happy one year anniversary of tennis and bagels podcast uh vansh how are you doing today
2: yeah, thanks, man. That's quite the intro. Yeah. <laughs> glad to see you. You all are alive, just too excited to come back. Yeah, it's it's been a nice uh, break, you know, just kind of refresh and rejuvenate. Uh, tennis has been going on. We've been following a lot of it. Uh, you've been you've had the privilege of uh, working in it a little bit and kind of seeing some players in person. So that must have been really cool. And you know, I've you know, it's now been a full year of tennis and bagels and you know what a nice ride it's been we've released almost 60 60 plus episodes and we've got we've increased our listenership so thank you to all of our listeners and yeah and Owen is doing well as well and we've all just been very busy but we've been still following tennis and in and now the big New York uh, US Open is in, on the corner and just starts uh, this week and now we're going to be pre- previewing the draws so I'm I can't wait for this I'm really excited
0: yeah, uh, just a, a little bit of um, maybe information that I'm not sure if everybody knows. But I I work for Tennis Canada, and I was involved in the production of a well in the the staff as a staff member in the Montreal tournament. You know, so this year we had the WTA, um, so I could not record during that week. I was working like a madman. I worked over 100 hours that week alone, and it was pretty insane and after that week i just had zero energy to focus on anything i was checking tennis results at best um but yeah so now i'm trying to gather a little bit more energy because it's the u.s open it's the last green slam of the year um even though i'm not fully 100 percent exactly like mentally and emotionally from that from the week i'm still recovering but uh I I know I would regret not doing any episodes for the U.S. Open because after this it was going to be a long stretch until the next Grand Slam, which is in Australia only next year in January ish. So I'm actually kind of I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that I made the the effort to to be here. And um, yeah, I'm also glad to be are here, Vange. And
2: uh, yep, enough of uh, our. Yeah. I was going to say you're in uh, you're at least one step ahead of a lot of some of the players who pulled out this season. Uh, from oh, yeah. injury or fatigue or mental health. So, yeah, you know, it's a very big thing. And, you know, as the pandemic continues to rage, uh, you know, we're seeing more and more players, um, you know, f- either affected by niggling injuries or injuries that they have unfortunately just flared up or suffered again. And, uh, you know, once again, you know, that's going to be uh, another theme at the, the U.S. Open, I feel like this year, uh, you mm-hmm. know, a little bit survival of the fittest with it being at the end of the season in September. And, you know, these players are pretty tired uh, and fatigued, uh, a lot of them. But still, it's going to be a super exciting slam, and you know a lot of history on the line. And yeah. can't wait for it.
0: Yeah. Now that you you uh, mentioned it, like why don't you just give us a a little bit of a housekeeping thing and you just tell us like who's missing, who's who are the big names that are missing, and who are the big names that are still in the U.S. Open in the men's draw, by the way. Just, um, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I mean, on, on the men's side, as you can. Uh, as you guys have all probably heard, it's uh, you know it's the, all the intention and all the spotlight is on Novak Djokovic as he goes for his quest to become the first man since Rod Laver to hold all four majors in the same calendar year and officially achieve the Grand Slam, uh, along with also surpassing Federer and Nadal for the most major titles at 21. Uh, currently, there are all three of them are tied at 20, but uh, you know he will be at the U.S. Open without. Federer and Nadal, for the first time since 1996. You basically have to go back a quarter of a century. That's insane. That's before, uh, certainly before I was born. And uh, Andre you would have been the baby then. So, you know, it's quite...
0: And was it 1997?
2: Yeah, 1996 Australian Open is when... Actually, 1996 Australian Open, uh, 1996 US Open was the last time that uh, Venus Williams, Serena Williams, uh, Federer and Nadal were all there. And none of them will be playing this year. But on the men's side, yeah, you got Federer who's uh, uh, just announced that he's going for his fourth uh, knee operation. And uh, yeah, unfortunately there's not uh, a lot of hope. He says there's a glimmer of hope. Hopefully that he can return on the tour sometime next year and that he can focus on his, uh, you know, prioritizing his knee for not only his tennis career, but his post tennis career, which is a a sad news for many around the world, but you know, we wish him well and hopefully he'll be back. And then you've got Nadal and in Nadal's case, Sorry, I can't. I but in the, in mm-hmm. Rafael Nadal's case, I think it's uh, it's positive that at least the injury he will also be out for the rest of the season. And this is the same uh, injury that we skipped the Olympics from and Wimbledon, and you know suffered a little bit in that fourth set against Novak uh, in the Roland Garros semifinals. But he he will continue to rehab on his right foot, which has been a you know a big problem for him since basically 2005 with the Mueller Weis uh, disorder, and he's. Uh, you know, he has a deformed bone, and he's been, you know, basically wearing special orthotics and, uh, you know, managing that injury throughout his whole career. But so the good news is that this is an injury he's had before. But as he continues to get older, he's now going to approach thirty-six next year. Hopefully, he can have a strong recovery and have a good, solid season uh, next year. And just, you know, just like with Roger, and just like with all these other greats, you just hope that it's not injury that takes away, uh, you know, their playing time, and rather uh, they can sort of go out on their own terms. I guess that's kind of the. Yeah. That's kind of the thing, and you know, you know, that's not to say that Nadal can't come back next year and you know have a spectacular season because he's done that in the past, it's just a lot harder now with his age. Um, and then you have Dominic Team with his wrist injury who, that he suffered on grass um, after um, diving for a forehand against Adrian Manorino in Majorca, <laughs> and uh, that injury was uh, has kept him out of Wimbledon, and you know, he was back to basically playing practicing and he was practicing lefty and then he was going in training and he re-injured it and now he's going to be out for the rest of the season and that's a big big blow for the US Open because he's the defending champion. He's obviously one of the guys who was built to have an extremely good year this year. Uh but just injuries and uh you know some some time off and uh you know even before the clay court season he wasn't really right. Uh and so yeah he you know the good news is he's a little bit younger and hopefully Uh, With an extended period of rest and rehab, he can be back next year contending again. But uh, those are three of the biggest on the men's side. And then, of course, you have Stan Wawrinka, another foot surgery for him. Uh, He's towards the twilight of his career. And then you've got players like Milos Raonic from Canada. Uh, You know, he's even though he hasn't really gotten past the fourth round at the U.S. Open, he's always somewhat of a... He's been a big name, especially, you know, the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, obviously, we wait for Del Potro and we'll see how Andy Murray does, but he's at least and playing so that's that's good yeah. news for Murray fans
0: <laughs> yeah I was about to say actually I feel like if anyone can kind of relate to uh, Federer and Adal fans uh, right now is the Murray fans because he has a little bit of the same narrative in a way obviously Murray was far more extreme like Federer and Adolf didn't show up in tears after a press conference saying that they were actually just looking for a way to live life without pain but Federer was almost in some of the same vein just saying like I yeah. just want to be running around like when I'm older, like and actually being able to play uh, with my grandkids and whatnot. Like I don't know if he said that, but I'm pretty sure he kind of intended something along those lines. But um, you know, like, and they're they're older now too. Um, I'm, I'm I don't think Federer is going to be able to not to like throw this podcast, which is about the U.S. Open draws, but, like not to throw this under like a a totally different path, but like I I don't think Federer is ever going to come back. Um in contention to be the best of the world to win a grand slam. He would be able to maybe make it if he got like a like a good draw. Like like we know that in Wimbledon he was already somewhat injured or he injured himself more towards Wimbledon. Like um so he got beat up he got beat up pretty kind of, pretty kinda of, oh my gosh, I cannot enunciate it comprehensively against her catch. Yeah. But it's no guarantee that he would have won that match anyways. He he, he could have won maybe that second set, make Make the third set competitive, but if that match goes five, I'm not sure. I'm entirely sure either. He he wins it. Like, yeah. but yeah, I, I it depends on like a, how it comes back. You know yeah.
2: it's a big victory in and of itself that you know basically on, you know, with a bum knee, you know, he was still able to make the round of sixteen at yeah. the French Open and still make the quarterfinals at Wimbledon. Yeah. I think that's massive for somebody his age at age forty. And you know, he he's realistic, but at the same time, I also have a feeling he wouldn't want that third set to be his last ever memory. You know, of oh, a yeah. professional tennis match. So I think, I, I just hope for him, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, whether he contends or really not. I think that ship uh, has sailed, but I think it's it's more about can he end on his terms and can he get the proper send off, you know, with mm-hmm. the crowd and can he play with Wimbledon one last time? Yeah. Uh, you know, how many tournaments can he, you know, even with a slim schedule, can he play maybe 10 more matches uh, yeah. and then call it a career, or, yeah. you know. I wonder, I wonder if,
0: uh, like in, in my head, like I always had this like little doubt, like would Federer prefer to play his last match at Wimbledon or in Basel, like his, yeah. his, you know, his hometown, because it's, 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 he likes it. He likes it very much to play in Switzerland. And we yeah. know that he likes playing like the smaller tournaments because he's played so many of them. But yeah, like so I feel it's like he... one of the biggest mysteries yeah.
2: to me, really, how, how he's going to retire because, yeah. you know, he doesn't really reveal much in his press conferences. Yeah. So even after Wimbledon, you know, I think he was asked a question and he sort of hesitated for a while and kind of looked at his knee. I know I'm just, you know making, you know, it's easy in hindsight to go back and and say this, but, you know, you know, he doesn't really want to take credit away from his opponents. And so Mm -hmm. when he loses, it's kind of just, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see how much longer, no plans to retire, that kind of thing. But then you listen to his video statement and he's, he mentions a glimmer of hope or he mentions, you know, his life post-career and it's just, you know, it makes you think, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of time left. Uh, And then, you know, we'll just, We'll, we'll have to see how he wants to retire because obviously he has a lot of business ventures. He's still very involved in the Labor Cup, uh, mm-hmm. and so that won't, you know, he won't be participating in that this year. Um, and then the Basel tournament, like you mentioned, I think that's a great point. You know, he he, he might have been looking at a at Basel for this year, but I think it was it's canceled right because of COVID. Yeah. So I think uh, you know if you can just get get a send off, he might just do kind of like an exhibition tour. That's what I was kind of thinking is. Go around the world and just say bye at every single place. Nice. And just yeah. play, play like an exhibition match or something.
0: Yeah. It's like he's oh, going to be fun. opening ceremony in uh, Australia, France, and uh, London, and then and the yeah. in, in New York, and then like go to Basel and play last tournament and go home. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Whatever he decides to do, I feel like it's going to be pretty grand.
2: <laughs> All right. Fifteen minutes yeah. in, and we're we're <laughs> talking about Roger Federer. I mean, great subject, yeah. but we gotta we gotta move on to the draws now. Yeah, so for sure. I guess, sure. Uh, you know, if we yeah. just look at this draw on a granular level, obviously, we mentioned the history of Novak, uh, you know, going for that calendar year slam. Uh, and we mentioned, and we know the top four seeds and, uh, you, you know, the contenders really at this tournament uh, are now the established trio of the um, Medvedev, uh, the other German guy that we don't, we don't all really like. And he's been accused of serious domestic violence uh, allegations, but he is uh, a contender. And then you have Sitsipas. Uh, and just, just on the second part about, uh, German, you can go read uh, this uh, new article by Ben Rothenberg. from uh, It's published in Slate um, and discusses those allegations in detail, part two of that. um, It's been about 10 months since we recorded our last episode actually with Gil Gross. So if you want, uh, we gave a full dive and we uh, kind of broke down those allegations and uh, how they affect tennis and how he's addressed them and the ATP's lack of addressing them. So uh, yeah, you can go check that out. I guess for our listeners, uh, if they're curious mm-hmm. on our thoughts on that. But uh, yeah. with that, I mean, would you also agree? Like, those are the four contenders really to to win. This game? Yeah,
0: like the the top four seeds are definitely the ones that uh, will make will be the winner is definitely going to come out of those four. Like, I don't I don't think there's going to be any anyone else outside of them unless they they all somehow lose early or to be honest i feel like djokovic losing early new things could happen in the draw but like i'm not entirely sure it's gonna happen like even last year we had uh we had team as the winner and he played um sad german um in the in the final and probably was the worst match of tennis in in the history of ever uh yeah but uh yeah it was um I don't know. Like uh, it, it was still somebody that you would expect to win the U.S. Open. Still won the U.S. Open, right? Last right. year. So I would say something similar would happen this year as well. Like maybe we'd have a surprise fi- a semifinalist, but I don't think a surprise champion is is in the cards this yeah. year. Um, if you want to like go on, do you want to leave Djokovic for last, or you wanna you wanna start off with the
2: yeah with the I guy? <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're both in the same half, so I guess we can yeah. start with the top half first. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, You know, and we look at Djokovic's section obviously, and he, you know, I'd say this is a comfortable. This is a section for him where you know we. I think we all discussed in our Wimbledon uh, podcast that you know Novak was never at his best throughout Wimbledon, um, and really didn't need to be until you know parts of the semifinal against Chapeau and you know maybe the last four games of the final against Berrettini. But I think uh, Novak, uh, with the time that he's had off now. Um, obviously he struggled at the Olympics, uh, you know, which is very understandable for him. He's had, you know, what a summer he's had at age 34 to go and win, you know, Roland Garros and, you know, finally conquer that and beat Rafa there and then win Wimbledon and, you know, even win Belgrade the week before, which isn't talked about enough, but that's a lot of tennis, right. You know, 11 matches in a row. And then just two weeks he had basically to then regroup and win Wimbledon. And then he makes the decision where he was very 50, 50 on. And actually Steve Flink and I both and you as well, we all thought that, you know, he might not play the Olympics, He might forego that for the U.S. Open, and you know, I mean, we were pretty, pretty divided on it. But Mm -hmm. then he ended up going, and then he he played mixed doubles as well. And then he he you know he had so much fanfare and attention on him, and he got all the way to the semis, and you know was cruising against Beru. But then he just sort of hit a wall, Uh, and then that just went downhill. Everything just went downhill from there, and you know. But since then, you know, he's made that decision, you know, knowing him and knowing his body, and you know, he mentioned he has you know, several niggling injuries afterwards. Um, so he skips uh, Cincinnati and he skips Montreal. And so that makes this, I think, quite interesting, actually, yeah. his first week. You know, if he, how does he work into this first week? And he starts out against Holger Rune, um, who is disqualified, actually. Um, and he's, uh, uh, you know, made some noise this year, getting a lot of wild cards and not necessarily for the most positive things with his uh, homophobic statements. But uh, regardless, it's still a... a Uh, It's still a very uh, winnable, uh, obviously in this section, I mean, I, uh, you know, he slated his seeds are David Goffin is the first seed that he would meet here. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at more Kane Nishikori and Mackenzie McDonald, because I Hmm. think they've had a very good summer. Mackenzie McDonald made the final in Washington and he actually upset Nishikori there. Uh, And, you know, and, you know, he opens up against, um, Djokovic opens up against Rune, and then he he's probably going to play Stroh, a match that we've seen many many times, and uh, not one that should trouble Novak. I think he's pretty comfortable in that matchup.
0: Yeah. It's almost like and, they always play Stroh there, so that Novak yeah. can just you know,
2: yeah, <laughs> the that, guy is, uh,
0: his his, his yeah, warm up yeah.
2: match. Yeah, going. exactly. Uh, it's a it's a it should be easy breezy for him. Uh, just in terms of he just he's played Stroh and they've never he's never lost. He's only dropped one set to Struth, Um and. You know, they played here, you know, last year before the default happened against PCB, and it was uh, not even close. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then and then GoFan has been has not been in great form, and uh, so I, I don't expect him to get to the third round to face joke, which I actually think Kane mm-hmm. the the thing about Kenya Shikori since he won the US Open in 2014, uh, he's played all of his uh, he didn't stands.
0: win the US Open. Oh, Kane oh, Shikori uh, was the finalist.
2: Yes, uh, since getting to the final. Sorry about that. Lost to Chilich in that final 3-3-3, three, 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 but uh, since that run where he beat Djokovic in the semis and got to the finals of the US Open. You know, he's had a lot of trouble in the first week of slams, uh, winning winning matches in straight sets. And that always mm-hmm. catches up to him by the time he gets to the fourth round in the quarters, and he just doesn't have a full gas tank. And then you add the fact that he's lost his last sixteen against Djokovic and they just yeah. made it the Olympics when Nishikori was playing very well and he upset Rublev up there and he was having on he was on a good run playing in his home court and he just got thrashed two and zero. And yeah. that's a match that's kind of played. interesting
0: because on that on the Olympics match, he started off playing really well, but just Djokovic just kind of steamrolled the rest of the match. It was It was right. one of those times that you don't really understand what happens. It's just kind of it's, it's it's almost like they kind of like switch the greatness on and just kind of like yeah, I'm I'm tired of this and just went over. Right. Yeah, and, and so, win the you know, match. Novak just
2: it. has that extra gear and he just does everything a little bit better than K. And when that happens in a matchup like this, I think it's. Uh it's very favorable for Novak He says, okay, you know, I want to go backhand to backhand. Uh, you have a pretty yeah. good backhand down the line, but, you know, I, you know, I have a better serve than you I have a better return. Uh, I can neut- neutralize any offense that you throw at me and, you know, over three out of five sets, especially when you're not as physically fresh and you're yeah. coming off five setters. So that's why, you know, I think this is a good kind of opening three rounds for Novak to kind of find his rhythm. And, you know, look, he might come out very rusty. He's playing in front of a home crowd again, you know, first time in two years. Since where he actually got booed off the court against Dan Wawrinka when he was uh, hurt because of a shoulder injury and then that was in the fourth round in 2019 the last time there was mm-hmm. crowds um, so now it'll be interesting to see how they kind of welcome him you know with the calendar year slam on the line and you know he's had a tumultuous relationship with the crowds in New York so I'm, I'm fascinated by that and then I'm fascinated by how sharp he will be off the bat because yeah. at Wimbledon if you remember he dropped his opening set uh, against Jack Draper yeah. and then just dropped one more set uh, the rest of the way but Will will be interesting. Um, yeah. So and especially because so to yeah. get to the fourth round. Um,
0: yeah, exactly. Oh, Who do I expect to get to the fourth round?
2: No, I'm saying I, I expect Novak to get to the fourth round uh, yeah. without really much fuss.
0: Yeah, mm, same here. I think interesting for Djokovic is that well, it's a it's a hard court tournament, um, and although he doesn't haven't hasn't had like the biggest success of his career on this particular slam, like in right. comparison, obviously. Um, We can't really compare this to Roland Garros because Roland Garros had a king and he was reigning very strongly and that was Nadal. So that was like his kind of main roadblock. But the U.S. Open was just kind of all over the place in a way like he could have won, but he didn't many times. And uh, he lost some finals that some didn't think that he should have lost. but right, at the same time, is, yeah, you know,
2: he's nine and zero in Australian Open finals, yeah, exactly, three and five in U.S. Open finals. Yeah, so. but
0: but now maybe that maybe now that he's by himself, like a nice um half off season for himself, like after skipping Cincinnati and Toronto and every other tournament, pretty much in the in the summer in North America, he's he may just come out fresh. Because I was thinking about that, like he's not playing anything before the U.S. Open. Is this is going to be good or bad for him, and yeah. considering his success in Australia it's probably going to be good for him rather than that, honestly, like that he can get his time to regroup and, you know, not, not only physically, but mentally as well, just kind of like put himself back in, in, in the place to not let himself like derail after his um, terrible losses in the, in the Olympics. And just kind of like, okay, like we're back into the regular, regular tennis season that happens every year. Um, I have something really big ahead of me, which would be the grand slam, um, which would On a what percentage would you say that this was going to happen for Djokovic this year? What, who do you, before that we get to the predictions? Yeah, I mean,
2: I mean, the way I see it is that nobody in his section or in his up until the semis, I really see if if Djokovic is playing at like a 75 to 80%, and you know, this is assuming he's physically fit because that's everything, Mm -hmm. but and he's recovered from those niggles that he was addressing after the Olympics. I don't see him losing before the semifinals, Um, you know, and then that's when afterwards, then. You know, obviously, he takes it match by match. He has a day off in between, um, so it's not like the Masters tournaments where there's, you know, where the, he has a higher chance of being upset and maybe he's playing in back-to-back days or he gets dragged into physical matches. But I don't see that happening with any of these uh, players that he's, uh, you know, expected to play. I guess in these first four or five rounds. So I think from that standpoint, that's a positive for him. I, I do think, though, since uh, the weight of history is on the line. Uh, you know, what will that do to him? Because I think now, you know, he's proven in the last two or three years that he's in sort of his mental prime at the moment. And he's seemed, you know, kind of bankable and untouchable in the really, really big moments, you know, and the really clutch moments he's always come through. And so he, he will have to deal with that. And, you know, a lot of questions from the media constantly being asked about Federer and Nadal. You know, we'll see if any of that weighs on him. But really, I think he is, he, um, along with the, you know, the trio that we just discussed, um, and the weight of history are his main rivals uh, to achieving this quest. So to answer your question, I mean, I, I don't see him losing before the semifinals. Um, and then, you know, then, you know, it gets potentially a little bit trickier, I guess, after Nishikori because, you know, then um, then it's, I just find a, like a first round match that kind of jumped out to me just now is um, Alex Minor and Taylor Fritz. I'm very yeah. intrigued by that because none of those guys are in good form, you know, since Wimbledon. Um, has yeah. only won one match. And same with, Fr- uh, same with Fritz, he hasn't done well in Washington and uh, the other Masters tournaments. And, you know, he's a guy, Taylor Fritz is a guy who, you know, nearly knocked off Novak in the third round of the Australian Open when yeah. Novak suffered from the, the, the ab tear. So, uh, you know, it, I'm just curious to see who he's going to play in the fourth round because then you have Karatsev in there. And I do think actually that's one opponent that, um, you know, more than Nishikori, I do think like if Azan Karatsev were to, you know, since he's back on a hard court, and he, he really had his best results there early in the earlier part of the season, you know, when he broke through from the challengers and he made the semis there in Australia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of his best results came on hard. and You know, obviously he beat uh, Djokovic on clay as well in Belgrade, but I do think that'll be a very interesting match if that happens, uh, Karatsev, Djokovic in the, in the fourth round. Yeah. And actually that's who I have coming through, uh, Karatsev. I just think, uh, you know, the clay and the grass, uh, didn't quite work out for him at the ATP level. And he always came up against big servers like Jeremy Shardy and Marin Cilic, who kept yeah, knocking Even him though out
0: he and- did realize. beat Djokovic on clay and almost got right. a, his first title on clay. So,
2: yeah. And then, I think,
0: I think, I think actually, in my opinion about Karatev, just, uh, just to, you know, I'll let you finish your thought. But like, I, I think maybe grass wasn't very good for him, but I think he found himself yeah. on clay. The one thing that he couldn't handle, I think, was the, uh, maybe the physical aspect of it. I feel like he may have right. crashed a bit. Like his body maybe wasn't ready for the amount of tennis at the level that he was playing. Cause yes, he did do the, the challenges, but then he, he got crazy this year. Good. Like, so he was just really elite level playing. And so then also, maybe that was one of the reasons that that's he That's a good had. point.
2: Like, I'm glad you brought yeah. that up because I think, you know, also when you win that many matches and you, you beat the world number one, and you know, in, in some ways you feel at the very peak of your powers, but then also, you know, other opponents and other coaches are also kind of studying your game and trying to find holes in it. And you become yeah. from being kind of the hunter to the hunted, if that makes any sense.
1: And yeah, so after yeah. that, he
2: goes from Belgrade and then, you know, then he's having to play really big servers like Radio Pelka, uh, who knocked him off in Rome. Or like, uh, uh, you know, like in the French Open, he, that was the biggest upset for me in the first week was when he lost to Philip Kulschreiber. I just didn't see that coming at all. And then you mm-hmm. head over to the grass where he's really just, you know, not very comfortable. He's barely won any matches at even the challenger level there. Uh, so that wasn't very surprising for me. And then, you know, but I just think now that he's back on hard court and I do hear the courts are playing a little bit faster this year. Uh, so that, and that that's just weighing in my mind, uh, you know, one of the factors when I'm thinking of predicting the mm-hmm. courts are playing uh, just like they were last year, which is a little bit slicker and quicker. Um, you know, and, you know, that might change because, uh, as you know, with Arthur Ashe, when they close the roof, right, it gets very humid inside yeah. and it kind of just traps the heat. And so some players could really struggle physically in that. Um, So it'll be interesting to see, like, I mean, but I just look at his section and I don't see any uh, like really big threats, you know, like Haume Munar or like Jordan Thompson, like these are all great players. I'm interested in Brooksby. Um, He's another young American. We have a lot of Americans now in the top hundred, actually 14 Americans in the top 100, which is the most we've ever had, like since the nineties. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, none of them are grand slam contenders or masters 1000 really contenders as of now, but I do think, you know, three or four of these guys in that Nakashima, uh, um, you know, Korda definitely and Brooksby and even Radio Palka. Mm-hmm. they all have a big upside. Um, I think in more than the Fritz and um, Fritz and uh, Paul and Tiafo in that group. So I think uh, uh, that'll be something, that's another storyline that I'll be looking out for. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I mean, I'm predicting a of djokovic match and I do think uh, Djokovic comes through and I do think uh, and, and then in that bottom section, I don't know about you, but I'm uh, uh, I'm not so sure so sold on Berrettini right now because yeah, I yeah. think he he's struggling still with his leg injury uh, that was strapped by the way in the Wimbledon final.
3: Yeah,
2: um, and he competed very well. Like he he did very. He had an amazing grass season. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess it's so. one
0: of the things as well. Like when you when you're injured and you're in a Grand Slam final, I feel like. You have two choices. You can either like look to the future and say, like, hey, I did well. Um, or you can say I'm gonna go all out and risk um just making this injury worse and just possibly not making it towards like the like the end of the season in full health, but maybe I can win a grand Slam today. And I feel like the, the answer would be pretty clear for a competitor, right? You don't want to just kind of get to the final and just be like, Hey, I'm I'm okay with that result. I so I feel, this feel like there's kind of one of the reasons, right? yeah sorry,
2: I agree with you, like not in the biggest final of your life you
0: yeah, know, I mean, you probably would and... choose to win it rather than just right. kind of like save yourself for the possibility of make maybe doing better in another final later on like i mean it's it's an it sounds like a no brainer for if you're a tennis player, but yeah. yeah obviously like it has its its consequences on your body of course like if you're already injured, you could make it worse, and it may have made it, it have may have made it a little bit worse for him in that case. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, that's why he skipped the Olympics and he skipped Canada and he skipped, you know, and he didn't look very good to me against Felix uh, when they played in Cincinnati. And he yeah. still seemed to struggle a little bit with it. And he's, you know, maybe not as match tough on the hard courts right now coming in. So another seed actually that I like in this section is uh, Hubert um, mm-hmm. you know, who's who did lose early at the Olympics, but I was very encouraged by his, he got a, a few matches in in uh, Toronto and, and Cincinnati and he pushed Medvedev very hard in their quarterfinal match. It was one of the best matches of the week, uh, which Medvedev ended up winning 7-6 in the third set after being down 2-6 and 2-3. So I think, uh, you know, I was very encouraged by that performance and he's just been putting up a solid uh, level and he's just such an awkward player to play against Horkac with his nifty slices and his net approaches and he can play very aggressively when he steps in and he defends extremely well. He's got a great open stance backhand, a big serve, uh, and, you know, he moves very well for his too. size. Yeah, very good at the net. Uh, very good hands, very good touch. Uh, knows when to come in. Uh, and, you know, he really bamboozled Medvedev in that, uh, in that Wimbledon match that they played yeah. in. Uh, you know, and obviously took out Federer. Uh, not the same Federer, but still, uh, you know, very, very good win. Uh, and, you know, Berrettini and Harkac actually played in the Wimbledon semifinal, but I didn't think Harkac played at all anywhere near his best. Mm-hmm. um and you know perhaps the all those matches took a toll on him but i i do like his chances here at the uh, at the u.s open and he has a very good record in north american hardcore tournaments so i i uh, you know and i like his draw here um you know fuksovich is pretty tough in the second round but you know if hubi is playing at his best he, he should win that and somebody like a Sonigo, that's very interesting to me as well yeah. you know he he's and he he loves the crowd and he plays some of his best tennis there and he also serves very big and uh, plays big, but do I really bank on him to make it, you know, through three or four rounds, best three out of five sets, the physical side of that. Uh probably I'd back her catch more, having been in a Wimbledon semifinal already and having won Miami. Mm-hmm. So I think he's just the more, you know, match match fit yeah. and also He's had the better experience at, at this point. Yeah. And more experience at yeah. the highest level. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. I think he's, so,
0: how old is he catch right now? 24, 25? Yeah. I mean, 24 years old, 23,
2: 24, yeah. and that eight same age. I
0: think it's interesting that uh, that we talk about him because I remember very clearly, I don't know if it was last year, it's probably last year actually, like there was uh, one of a poll on Twitter and people were asking, like, what, wasn't necessarily like in the poll format, but like somebody just asked the question. And it was like, what is the player that you feel like, has never reached their full potential yet. And it's kind of like frustrating. And for me, it was like her catch at that point because I could mm-hmm. see him. He was constantly getting like upset wins over good players that you would not expect to lose in earlier rounds. And he would lose like the next round to an, a random player. In random, right. I mean like another like top 50 or something like that. But like it's good to see that he's finally kind of finding his groove and actually winning matches like uh, solid, like. A lot of matches in a row, not just kind of like getting a good win and just kind of losing. Um, but it's it's really cool to to see him doing doing well, and um, I feel yeah, like the prospects are good for you know. Clear, further, for the you
2: future. know yeah. yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, he was one of the players that I had to that you know wasn't fulfilling his potential. Him and hatching off. so it's good to see yeah. both of them do very well this year. I, you know, I do think consistency is still a bit of an issue for him. Like after he won Miami, he lost six matches in a row like that, and yeah. nobody was expecting him to go deep I at mean, Wimbledon. Well, and then even since then, he lost to Liam Brody at the Olympics, which, you know, he shouldn't lose to. Sure. So he still has those losses like that. But I just think in three out of five sets and, you know, with the experience that he's had now, um, I yeah. do think – and he's fit this time. And he was he – was, some of those six losses uh, after Miami had a lot to do with him not being 100% yeah. uh, physically. So I think now he – you know, and he's back on courts that should suit him. Uh, and uh, – uh, you know, players that he's had success against. So I, I like his chances to get to the quarterfinals yeah. and, and face Djokovic. And then I actually think uh, more than Berrettini, uh, you know, hercatch has a bit more of a sort of well-rounded game, which could work against him or work, uh, for, work uh, you know, against him or work in his favor when he's playing against Djokovic. I know they played once at Wimbledon and it was a very good four-set match uh, won by Djokovic. So, I, you know, and I still expect Djokovic to come, come through relatively uh, comfortably in the end but I do think he can be challenged for like a set or two uh, against mm-hmm. Hubie and so I actually yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Djokovic loses a set and you know her catch makes it a good quarterfinal uh, but I do I do have Djokovic coming through and beating her catch uh, he's my pick over rather than bertini who is the mm-hmm. seed yeah. that is the, you know uh, to yeah. get there uh, and that's my pick yeah. uh, and is there anybody yeah. else in that section you know uh, in the yeah Jokovic really section that you, you think could yeah. have a really good big run
0: uh, this year yeah me in that section yeah um, like I'm, them, I'm just going to yeah i don't first. i don't think so i pretty much agree with everything that you're you're saying like uh um up to um the semifinals, of course and uh, the one thing about berrettini for me is that he might struggle more on uh on a hard court especially because of that backhand mm-hmm. side which isn't quite um you know the the best backhand that you have on tour on the top 10 even but um, i agree yeah because on on um, on grass, his slice is a great weapon because it bounces low. He can keep the ball low. He can defend with it. He can turn around points, and he can use his forehand to finish points and dictate. But like on hard courts, if you're sitting the ball a little bit higher, it's going to be a, bit, a little bit easier to deal with. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it may just not be the best shot, and the lack of a backhand to like go down the line uh, at some right. points. It's just going to be, and of course, like the open stance backhand that you're saying it from Hubie, it's just something that is going to work a little bit more like on a hard court, I guess. Yeah. Um, but and then it, also
2: the movement, yeah. right? Uh, you know, lead yeah, exactly. as, yeah. as the other, uh, let's say top 10 players yeah. right now. But, he, so.
0: but if he could, but if he can, if he can get his forehand and his serve working, he's obviously yeah. a dangerous opponent. Like I can definitely see him beating still her uh, playing his best. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's, it's definitely a tough ask to get Djokovic um, out of the U S open before the semifinals.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I have Djokovic in her catch, and then I have Djokovic coming through. Uh, now the uh, section with the other guy in it. Yeah. Um, I actually think you know, with with him in this section, I think he has a he has very good tests early on, actually. So uh, you know, you know, generally speaking, the past uh, you know he's made semifinals at the other at three out of the four slams, uh apart from Wimbledon. Uh, but he's been helped a lot with comfortable draws in the first week. Uh, And so this time, actually, there's some tests in there for him that, uh, you know, he still might get to through the semis without having faced a top 10 player, because that's one stat for him right now where he's, uh, you know, he's obviously we know how good he is in best of threes and he's won five Masters 1000s. And, you know, he has a lot of top 10 wins uh, in those, but in majors when it's really counted and the pressure has been high and the stakes have been high, uh, this guy has not risen to the occasion and he's 0-10 against top 10 players. So uh, at majors, which for somebody of his caliber is a pretty damning stat, to be honest. Uh, and so we'll see how that goes this time. But, you know, he opens up against Sam Corey and, you know, I actually think uh, this is somewhat of a, you know, I I do expect uh, him to come through all of these matches. But I think, yeah. uh, you know, given his history in, in uh, best of five and, you know, with the article having just been released and, you know, people like, you know, actually expecting him to go all the way. Some even predicting him to win this tournament. Um, It'll be interesting to see if that weighs on him uh, in terms of his tennis is concerned, as far as his tennis goes. But uh, I would really like to see Bublik get to the third round because I think he's an entertaining player to watch. Yeah, Uh, has a lot of flair, Um, a bit like Kyrgios with less press. (laughs) That's what uh, Alex Dreskin of the Crack Rackets actually likes to refer to him as, uh, which I fully agree with, by the way. Yeah. Um. So you know, I'd be interested to see if they play in the third round because Bublik actually beat him earlier this year um in Rotterdam and I was very happy to see that result. So I really <laughs> want to see something like that <laughs> again, but I'm not counting on it, but I would like to see that match happen. Um, yeah. And then you know in the bottom section, this section to me is the most interesting, by the way. This section I'm the most fascinated. I don't know about you, but Gail Monfils, Yannick Sinner, Pablo Karenio Busta, Pelka, Opelka, Karen Hatchinov and Dennis Shapovalov. Like what a section this is. Like this this yeah. might be my you know just in terms of like Yannick so Sinner is in the happen. is
0: in Zverev section, I think.
2: Right. Yeah. And so in this, yeah. like, in his uh, like sixteens, if they were to you know, yeah, fix yeah, each other. Exactly. but I you know, since he's the 13th seed, so I would love to see a Monfils and Sinner match. I think that'd be absolutely yes. electric. Like you have Monfils with in defense and court coverage, 10 feet behind the baseline and then you have Sinner who likes to play a little bit more offensively and, uh, you know, finish points with his power and he's still a work in progress but he he improves and he he's, uh learning every week and he just won Washington, D.C. and you know, he's had a few t- tough moments this year, some bad draws in the clay court season, uh, always having to face Nadal and Djokovic in <laughs> early rounds, which doesn't really help your ranking. Yeah. But I think he's learned a lot, and he's actually improved his serve. He's changed his serve motion, which helped him a lot in Washington, D.C. And so I, I just personally, for me, I would love to see Monfils get to the third round and face others yeah. there. For me, and actually also shout-out to Zachary Spida, because he got a wild card, and he's uh, somebody that uh, my brother actually – who was three or four years younger than me. He actually played his brother at a nice. junior tournament in San Diego. And he's one of the prodigies. Um, everybody in SoCal tennis, Southern California tennis, where I'm from, they all know him. And he just won Cal and Missoula, and that's how he got it, which is a big uh, national uh, level one tournament. But if you win that, you get a wild card straight into the main draw of the U.S. Open. So
1: mm-hmm. this is
2: a really big win for... Uh, you know American tennis, and he's only eighteen years old, but very big prospect, really hard worker. And you know, I just hope for him that he has a very good experience at the U.S. Open, having qualified. So that's personally, that's a very big win. Uh, you know, I would love to see his match against. Uh, he's facing Marco Cecchinato, so that's very interesting yeah, uh, on a hard nervous. court. You know, that could be that could be actually pretty interesting. It's not on clay, so uh, yeah, so big win for him there. But uh, regardless, yeah, and then in the bottom section, that's the fascinating to me because you also have Sebastian Corda. You have Pablo Busta, and you have uh, Lorenzo Adjano, Musetti, is you know, also in, Musetti there. in there. Yeah, Musetti, by the way, uh, you know, since he, be, since he took two sets off of Novak at the French Open, has lost he hasn't Dodgers. won a match. So, uh, and he actually opens up, look at this, he actually opens up against Emilio Nava. So quick story for our listeners, I actually played Emilio Nava in 2015 in a tournament. Uh, and this guy was the number one seed at uh, that tournament. And this was 2015. And he kicked my ass. Like, he beat me 6-2, 6-1. Uh, but, but I learned so much from that match. And I was just really happy that I won three games, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. I didn't really believe I would win. So I was just kind of like, you know, just please don't lose love and love. But I was just really, really happy to see him go all the way. And now he's, like, he's actually made it on the big stage. And him and Lorenzo Massetti, they played, a US o- they played an Australian Open junior final against each other. It was one of the best finals, junior finals you'll ever see. It went to like a third set tie break. With Musetti winning like saving two match points and winning it like 12-10 in the third, you can look it up on YouTube. It's like one of the best junior finals you'll, you'll ever see. Like, <laughs> like Ben Rothenberg, I remember a lot of other journalists. They were watching that match with. Was they, it the uh,
0: was the was the the match again? Sorry, I just kind of zoneed. Um, I was looking uh, at the, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it,
2: it was his. So the same opponent that uh, Nava is playing in the first round, Lorenzo Musetti.
0: Oh, it was the Australian Open final. That was it the was... Australian Open junior yeah. final in twenty
2: nineteen, and. You yeah. know, obviously they've both taken different paths since then, but, uh, you know, Nava is now a solid top 400 player and he'll now have the chance in his home slam to face uh, Lorenzo again. So I'm really interested in that. Uh, just mm. from a, you know, I'm biased and, you know, I, it's great yeah, to see course. these guys from SoCal do really well. So, and because I played against him, so I, I want to see him like win every match. Because <laughs>
0: you can uh, say like, hey, I lost to him, but you know what, he's really yeah. good though. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> he, is, he is though, like, I mean, to, to make the US Open main draw, it can be it can be yeah, a crap yeah. a crap uh, player. I mean,
2: his best result this year actually was making the main draw of Miami, and Miami. he qualified and he beat a bunch of players ranked ahead of him to qualify, like three wins. And then he faces Lloyd Harris in the first round. And he actually gives him a very good match, like four and six, you know. And he had a set point and he could have gone to a third set. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm digressing now. Yeah. So. anyway. <laughs>
3: Yeah.
2: So, so yeah so this section for me andre is very in- interesting because hachinov uh, you know just made the silver medal uh, he just won the silver medal in-, in singles and he matches up well against Karina booster but Karina Busta has had is playing some of the best tennis of his life not only on hard courts but on clay courts uh, you know it took Sitsipas to beat him in the fourth round of the french and he's just won hamburg after wimbledon and he's you know he he beat Djokovic and medvedev back to back to win the to win the bronze medal at the olympics then he uh, you know he's had some good results even in the, in the next two tournaments. And he he lost to Medvedev. Medvedev crushed him in Cincinnati. But uh, you know no shame because you know Medvedev at his best is always going to win that. But uh, yeah. so so this match is you know interesting. I do expect Kraina Booster to get to the third round. And then mm. what's interesting is Raleo Pelka. Um if he can back up his Toronto final. Uh, and, uh, you know, do it in best of five sets and get to a third round of a major. That would be a, his career best result at the U.S. Open. Um, so, uh, you know, I'd like to see him against either Nava or Massetti. Uh, I, I do think Bassetti will win that first round, by the way. He might just snap out of his streak. Uh,
0: mm, maybe, yeah. But uh, Who knows, like, if they play in the U.S., if they had some crowd, like, yeah, it could be interesting. Yeah. But, I'm yeah. hoping
2: that's on a slightly bigger stadium so people get yeah. to know Emilio Nava. Yeah. Yeah, because he plays with a lot of energy and intensity, and he's the kind of player that can get a crown going. So,
3: yeah.
2: yeah, we'll be interested, but I have no idea who's coming through this section. I think Craneo Booster will get to the fourth round. That's my prediction. I think he'll beat Corda. Uh, oh, by the way, Corda could pull off the upset against Craneo uh, Booster. Yeah, they're... I'm
0: looking at this and I'm thinking maybe Corda is going to make it. I think. Yeah I, I, it I just, depends, uh,
2: yeah, I just have my doubts if he's ready to beat. A guy like crane because crane Booster is a kind of if you're beating Crainer Busta like you have to play really really well.
0: Yeah, because to, the thing can... is about Crainer Busta is that he's, he's the classic Spanish guy with the with the touch of um, offensive on him that like he's not going to miss much in the match yeah. He's, he he's just mentally very solid. He's not a guy who's gonna call quits like after he's losing like a if he loses a set, you can expect him to come back stronger. I, I would imagine that. So. Yeah, and um, he's extremely yeah.
2: supremely physically fit. Number one, yeah. he, is, he wins so many of the longer rallies. He drags you into like the backhand to backhand exchanges. He's really you know solid and even off both wings, and he hits a, the ball a little bit flatter than some of the Spanish guys. So that's why he's yeah. has a bit more success on hard courts. He's made two U.S. Open semifinals. That's no joke, and he's also you know he's he's had some good top ten wins recently. And he's like the litmus test. If you beat Karina Busta, like you have to play at a level of a top ten player. To yeah. to beat to beat him because he's like, yeah. he's kind of like especially
0: because he is a top ten player, isn't he? Or he? Yeah, I like, think he's not in the top ten anymore. But uh, yeah,
2: like just outside, you know, like number twelve. Yeah. So, but if he, yeah. but you know, like if if you're a top ten player and you don't play your best, like that's not good enough to beat Karim Busta. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I feel like that's uh, that's going to be a good Exact yeah,
0: like when you when you get to that that point of like a top twenty player, like yeah, like,
2: like they like, they, pretty much, they, like, they pretty like, much they pretty
0: much safeguard the, the top ten in a sense, like they're right the, like the if, if you if, if you like the uh, um well anyway i was gonna i was gonna make an anime uh, reference uh, but forget about I it i probably and, wouldn't get that because yeah
2: I bit, but <laughs> yeah but but i would say that like you know if we just like if i compare him and dennis shapovalov like shapovalov has a much higher peak like when he's absolutely on like he can he'll beat pcb if he's like playing at his absolute very best and everything is just going in
0: then he almost and, beat him, right? It was in the five setter like last year.
2: Yeah, at the U.S. Open, uh, they played in the quarterfinals, and that could be a rematch again uh, in the fourth round here. But yeah. but the thing is that you have to be playing your your very best to beat Karim because him on a bad day versus him at a very at his at his own peak is not that much of a difference. So he's like he has a very steady level, uh, Karim yeah. He always beats the players he's supposed to beat, and then he, you know, he if he catches the top guys on a really bad day for them. Uh, he will come on come out on top so yeah very interesting kind of a player but i think he'll, he'll get to the fourth round and then i think
0: so who's gonna who who do you think is gonna make it to the the quarterfinal and yeah yeah that's like yeah. both of the quarterfinalists yeah that's
2: so i think uh I, I do think uh the german guy he'll get to the quarters uh and, I, and then i do think actually uh you know what I, I, the thing is that if hatchinov and PCB play each other, Hachinov has a career head-to-head edge against PCB. Mm-hmm. He just loves that match, uh, th- that matchup, and it seems to bring out the best of him uh, because he, too, also is, is a very physical player. He's done well and majors to get to third round and fourth rounds, and then he just has that little bit extra mustard on his ground strokes, plus he has a bigger serve. So I think that helps him um, win a lot of the, even the longer rallies against Karina Busta. Uh, but... Then the, the question is how good is Chapo because that's the wild card for me. Um, if Chapo is at his very, absolute very best, like he was at Wimbledon, and he just finds that double again, you know, can he string it together? This is a really tough draw for him to go through potentially yeah. Hatchinov and then PCB and then Zverev. That's such a tough ask. Uh, and then, but but then I do look at hatchinov He has a tough first round against Lloyd Harris, so that's yeah. that's also kind of interesting. But you know what? I'm going to say, um, you know, I'm I, you know it's. Chapo is the betting nightmare for me. Like when it comes to predictions, Uh, it's just such a nightmare. I'll say this: I think, I think Dennis has a better chance of beating Karen than he does PCB. Uh, Now, if he plays PCB again, you know that would be very interesting because he's only beaten, he's only won one out of five matches they played against each other, and PCB just beat him last year. So it would be like a good test to see like how much has Chapo Mm. improved since that match. But I just don't think he's quite consistent enough to be PCB uh, in this form. Yeah. So I'm going to go with PCB in the quarters. So.
0: Yeah, I'm not entirely sold on, on PCB at this point. I feel like he's a he's a smarter choice, but I think the I I do say like that it's going to be German versus Chapel in the quarterfinals. And okay, so, yeah, I don't I, yeah. I I don't necessarily know exactly what's going to happen in that in the quarter though. Like I feel like it could it could swing both ways depending on like. Depending yeah. on who's serving better on that day, but I would I, say for the sake of the yeah.
2: crowds and for the sake of you know my viewing pleasure, I would love yeah. to see uh, Chapeau get to the quarters. Yeah, uh, and you know even beat the German guy because yeah. he's done it twice before yeah. and he's played him close and he he on his very at his very best day could trouble the German big time yeah. more than booster Yeah,
0: and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go bold here. I'm gonna say Djokovic. Uh, gets a rematch against uh, Shapovalov in the semifinals. Okay. It like would be it. really like cool. It. it would be really cool to I, I see. Would, honestly, I would
2: love it. I would love that. Crowd. Yeah, uh, that's my. That's I like feel like that, that would
0: head. make the crowds go out.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a kind of match where you really get to see like how much have the crowds really, uh, like who would the crowd support in that? Because you know, Shapovalov is such a flashy player and so explosive and dynamic, and then you have Djokovic mm. who's going for history, and given his relationship with New York crowds, so that'd be like. That the crowd would be absolutely wild in that match, and obviously uh, we'll see how much Chapo takes from his very close straight set pass at Dumbledore But that's a good that's a good uh, pick. I, I I would love to see that happen again. Like that would be huge for Chapo to make two back to back semifinals. Yeah, uh, and then almost even if he does nothing the rest of the year, and but just does enough to maybe qualify for the year and finals. This is huge for some of these players, by the way, for the ATP Finals because the uh, you know the Asian swing is canceled and.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of the true. European
2: swings are canceled, so they need a really big result at the US Open. And somebody like Chapo, who's just on the outside of the top ten right now in the race, like he could really use a big result at a major, especially if he's not very consistent week to week, which is often the case. Also because he plays a lot of tournaments, mm-hmm. like two fifties and five five hundreds. So yeah, he could really use a big result. But I just uh, I'm going to be conservative in my uh, okay. picks for this section, and I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say that Shapovalov beats. Hatching off. so that's already a big win but then I just think he he won't be able to back it up against Karina Busta who will just make him hit too many balls and we will just keep the ball in play a, a lot longer and will you know, maybe just outlast Dennis so I'm going to stick with PCB and the other guy and unfortunately I think the other guy wins and gets to the semis and then we yeah. have Djokovic uh, uh, and the other and uh, Djokovic and Zverev again rematch of the Olympics semifinals and then in the yeah. bottom have uh, Uh, Yeah, so I guess we should go to the bottom half now. But in this section, basically, uh, uh, big moment for Ivo Karlovic, who qualified. uh, Yeah,
0: no, I was about to say, this is probably the one um, round one match that I feel like is the most interesting uh, with uh, with a seeded player.
2: In this section, there's two matches that jump out to me. Uh, If I could just say, like, Rubev and Karlovic, and Nick Kyrgios and Roberto Batista are good. Those are the yeah, two like course. popcorn matches for me that are like, you know, you you need to watch those if you're picking matches to watch. Oh, and of course, uh, and of course, Sitsipas top of Murray—that's uh, Murray. the yeah. biggest well, shocker when the draw came out. By the way, this is another one of those matches where like you see the draw and you're just like, why are they releasing the draw? We're in 2021, where it's almost September of 2021, uh, and you know a lot of people are you know very skeptical skeptical about this, and uh, you know some people are just uh, they're. They just don't like it that, you know, there's, these draws are not live streamed uh, for <laughs> us to view because then it's like behind closed doors. And you're like, really, you're going to, you know, put Tsitsipas there. Th- this this is a, not a win for anybody like Tsitsipas uh, Murray, especially not for Andy, who's really been. Yeah. Still,
0: uh, it, it will be if he else. can actually pull off this upset, but I'm not entirely sure like what's going to happen in this match, man. Yeah.
2: I don't. Like if, you know, if suppose yeah. is playing at his very best, the level that I've seen from Murray yeah. is around a 50 to 60 level. Yeah, um, which is
0: exactly what he said to a Like something but like... Which is not
2: really good enough uh, at this point. But I, I, the encouraging thing for Andy, I, I will say this, the encouraging thing is that all of his losses this year have been against top players. And in all of those losses, he's had a chance to win the first set, but he just hasn't taken those opportunities. Yeah. Against Chapovalov, he had a chance at the first set. Uh, he didn't take it. And then Chapovalov ran away with the match. Same thing happened Exact same thing happened against Hercatch and against Francis Tiafo this week and Winston Salem. He had two set points against Hercatch, three set points against Tiafo in the first sets, and he didn't win those. He lost them in a tie break and then he lost six three in the second. And just kind of the 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 belief and the the gas tank was on empty. And he's playing big servers and top players, like you know, her catch and Tiafo, and they've been on big runs this year. So mm-hmm. uh, it's tough draws for Andy. Yeah,
0: the Tiafo one was especially painful, I guess, because it was a very yeah. winnable match. Like when I saw it, I was. was like, "This is he, he." I feel like this is a match that Andy would have felt pretty good about his chances of winning it. And he he was doing really well, like in the first set. I feel like in the second set, he kind of dropped his his level. Uh, he was, he, I think, he got too frustrated with yeah. himself for not playing, for not taking the side points and not playing well. And he just couldn't really pick it up. Um, but I don't know. I feel like if he comes up with like a good head and uh, against Tissipas and he's returning well, like um, I feel like he, he can, he can bully um, Tissipas's back end a little bit, I find, but yeah, uh, he'll, he, he'll, have will to, depend.
2: he'll have to really play on the front foot. and Yeah. He play. will
0: have to really step it up. Uh, but, and,
2: yeah. and you know, that's the question mark for me is that I think Andy knows that he has to dictate and play fearless aggressive tennis. It's just, yeah. you know, is his body allowing him to, because he's a half a step slower now and changing directions mm-hmm. You know, uh, counter attacking and especially also defending, I find with his forehand. He's definitely a half step slow defending on that side. Less so on the backhand because he still has a very reliable slice that he can hit very low and he still has, you know, decent returns. But I noticed in the match against Tiafo that, you know, very makeable second serve returns where he, that's Mm. like bread and butter to step in and just attack those second serve returns. He yeah. just was missing a lot of those in big moments. So I yeah. think it's it's more it's also very mental, and that's a good thing. That's a very very good thing. That's not yeah. about his physicality, but it's about like mentally just getting over the line in those big moments against the top players. So mm-hmm. I think if he can finally win that one set, that give him a lot of belief. I don't expect him to beat Tsitsipas. I think he'll lose. I think. But, so. I, think, I, think but so. I think if he can win one set or at least show himself that he's close, that will be a step in the right direction, and then he can sort of look at building serious momentum in the. At the end of the year or early next year that would mm-hmm. be my hope for as an andy murray fan i would really love to see that because remember what he did in 2019 after the us open he went on a big run like he actually like he played a lot of tournaments in a row and and then finally ke- uh, culminated with a title in antwerp where he beat bavrinka
0: yeah it was so, a really good match too <laughs> Surprisingly,
2: yeah surprising and even along the way i mean he beat barrettini who made the us open semifinals he pushed dominic team he won a bunch of rounds in the lead up to antwerp and so if you can just get back to that antwerp level i feel like that's you know that would be very 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 encouraging
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, for murray because yeah yeah you
0: know. but it, it coming back to the full full of the draw i really like looking at this part of the draw especially mm-hmm. it's it's not like i see anybody that is more of a favorite than um, than medvedev seriously
2: yeah yeah same thing for me like it's, if you just look at the whole section yeah. I, I think medvedev will yeah uh, probably get to the final like it's yeah. just you know it, it, and then the question about so medvedev the, the thing is i don't doubt his level right now is good enough to get to the final or even pull off an upset and win the title yeah it's just that his, his own head uh, sometimes gets yeah. in the way
3: yeah.
2: and he's played many matches this year where you know you know and you know we credit a lot of medvedev we credit a lot of his ability like he's a chess master he's a thinker problem solver great iq I don't doubt mm-hmm. all of that. I think he's a very smart guy. I think he does have a great IQ. But I think something that's overrated is that he'll always turn the match around or he'll, uh, you know, true. Yeah. he'll play chess because we've seen many matches this year, but he's actually imploded after losing a close set or he's like the Australian Open final. Okay, Djokovic was playing at an amazing level, but still he had a drop-off of his own That uh, where he just got rattled and bamboozled and frustrated and then he just he lost it. He had a meltdown. And then, and then same mm-hmm. thing against uh, Karina Bustad at the Olympics. Same thing against Rublev. Okay, that was a freak ass- accident. He hit the camera. But the way it kind of rattled him and just how frustrated he got by it and you know, sometimes his temper. And then also his relationship with the crowd uh, from two years ago. That'll be yeah. interesting too because he was kind of a villain two years ago. Yeah. Although I don't think there's
0: going to be a fact that's going to weigh against him because he seems like a guy who accepts it really, really well, the fact that he's the yeah. bad guy. Like the oh, fact he embraces that a yeah, little perfectly. After, right. after, after he got booed because he was like saying, oh, you guys give me the energy to go on, clearly knowing that they were booing him all along. Yep. That was just a fantastic um, showcasing of like the fact that he knows he's not the favorite. He's there to actually cause them to like be annoyed. And I feel like this kind of reflects in his own personality on how he plays other guys, right? I'm pretty sure he felt extremely good that he broke up so much during the match. He's like, right. I mean, oh, do you, you have those... a weapon? It's like, I'm going to break you down. Like, when he play, when he played Rublev in Australia, he was like, I made him tired. He was like, he was excited about the fact that he was making Rublev feel yeah. almost physical pain about that match. So
2: The other thing that concerns me, though, the, I agree with all of that. I think those are yeah. all great points. It's just that, you know, and, and then he, he talks a really big game in interviews and I love True. his press conferences. I love his on-court interviews. He's so honest uh, and he's very smart. He comes across as very smart through those. But then I just hope that translates to problem solving in the match. Exactly. And not letting not letting the emotions linger. Like mm-hmm. if you remember when he played against Dominic Team last year in the US Open semifinals, he had that one moment where he he crossed the net and he got really angry and then he just lost that set. He just lost the pod for a few games. You can't do that um, against the very best players because they'll take True. advantage. And yeah. you know, that's one area where he's obviously improved over the years, but he's still, you know, in my opinion, you know, to get to that very next level, you can't give that away to your opponent. And so, and he's working with a psychologist, and he's improved in that regard. So I'm I'm very fascinated by Medvedev, um, and those matchups, like you said, against the big servers, extremely favorable for him against Apolcar yeah. and Isner, and he said he could actually face Isner here again. But
3: hmm.
2: to answer your question, the only the only thing is that I uh, I worry about him in the heat. Also, uh, he struggled a little bit in very very hot conditions, like cramping and uh, things like that, physically. So I hope he. I hope he's okay. Like his wrist is not bothering him from running yeah. into the camera. And then I yeah. hope that physically he's a hundred percent. He can get through those tough matches in the heat. Yeah.
0: Uh, and in, in the heat, I would say like in the heat in the best of five sets, because um, he's obviously a master of the best of three. Like all of these new guys are really good in best of three sets. Um, mm-hmm. They're just lacking a little bit of that um, momentum to actually, you know, Put themselves yeah. like in the in the best of five and switch gears to when they're playing like in that format. But um to to Mavdas credit, it was really hot in Canada, like in in yeah. in during the 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 Toronto tournament, and he dealt with it pretty well. So um, yeah. it, and that was definitely a best of three. But if he can if he can keep if he, if he can keep his matches um, shorter, like in the U.S. Open, and not having to play a thousand like best of five matches or maybe like if he, if he can't keep himself from playing a best of five match before the quarterfinals I think it's going to be ideal for him so because he's got to be ready for when it comes to the, to the later rounds of the tournament assuming
3: yeah,
2: he gets and, There, I mean if we just look at his draw it's not like the easiest draw in the world right I mean you have Gasky no. uh, you know I expect him to beat Gasky but then you have Kopfer Kopfer is a guy who makes it really physical and they actually played each other in the fourth round of the US Open two years ago and that went all the way to a fourth set tie break. And Medvedev was down a set in a break. Uh, and you know, Cope obviously he's pushed, he pushed Federer really hard at the French Open. And he's he's a very physical player. And he's lefty and yeah. he's tricky. So that that won't be like extremely easy, I don't think. But um, I mean, obviously if Medvedev is playing at his absolute best, he should win that comfortably. But then you also have Marin Chilich who's uh the Twitter account, did Marin Cilic win yet, has been saying yes. A little bit more recently, right? So (laughs) it'll be interesting to see. Like Medvedev uh, and Chilich played each other in the third round, but that was on grass, very different, right? So, uh, but Medvedev had to come back from two sets of lockdown uh, in the third round to beat Chilich. So, like, that would be a a, a nice test for him if he got to play Marin in the third round. And then Grigor Dimitrov is also interesting. I hope Grigor Dimitrov can pull it together and get to the fourth round, um, face Medvedev there. But uh, I like that. you am going to have
0: to get through uh, Daniel Evans, who has been right. playing really well this year as well. And yeah, Dimitrov, I mean, in contrast, has not been playing his best. So like, that's yeah. one thing that worries me about it. I have a strong feeling that we might be seeing Evans-Medvedev like, in the fourth round. Of Interesting. The I, of the I, I
2: think if uh, Dimitrov and Evans play, though, I'd, uh, you know, and it, that's assuming that Grigor has got two match wins under his belt.
0: But yeah exactly <laughs>
2: so then from that standpoint i think uh, i think he's in good shape then it's just i worry about popper in the second round and i worry about yep. his uh just his confidence and his consistency uh, uh yeah. like in the first couple of rounds because like he did play well in cincinnati he did win two matches he beat book and he beat rba who was very tough but then he yeah. ran into medvedev and then you know medvedev just wore him out in all the log rallies and he won pretty decisively but so I'm actually going to predict, I, I think uh, Medvedev and Dimitrov will play each other in the fourth round. I think Medvedev wins. Um, I mm. think uh, the the next, the interesting thing for me is that section just above with Schwartzman in it. Uh, Schwartzman yes. and uh, who's the seed here? Casper Rude. Kasper yeah. Rude is a guy who's won so many titles on clay this year. And then he's also to his credit, he's backed it up and he's made two masters, 1000 quarterfinals in a row now. And he plays against Sanga. This could be Sanga's last year yeah. at the U.S. Open. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully Sangha gets a good send off. Sangha's best memories haven't come at the US Open, by the way. They've all been in the other three majors. Uh, But I hope uh, he gets a good send off and there's a nice crowd for that match. And, you know,
0: is he confirmed that he's going to be his last US Open or?
2: There's a big chance. Uh, But it's not, he hasn't directly confirmed it. It's just, uh, you know, he's been struggling with injuries and form and he's lost 11 of his last 12 matches. Um, Mm. And he's just, uh, I I don't see him beating Casper Road. But uh, the question is, will Rude get? I, I really like Rude's section. It's all clay quarters. That's like perfect for Rude, or it's yeah. like all players that he that are you know. I don't see anybody in this section. It would be nice if he played Davidovich Fokina again. Yeah, I agree. because they had they had that five set epic at the French Open, and everybody was expecting Rude to come through and face Verev, but that didn't happen. Instead, Fokina won. Uh, so that that would be kind of interesting. But I think Rude will get there. I really do. His draw is very winnable. Uh, the, all these matches are very winnable. And then Schwartzman section and Isner. Uh hopefully they'll play each other. The shortest guy on tour <laughs> versus the tallest guy on tour. I'm here for that. Yeah. That's the contrast yeah, I love. They've only played each other once and Diego actually won. So or well, actually oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry, Isner won that match. Like in a third tie break. I, yeah. But uh but it was a good match. Yeah like,
0: it can be contrast. a good match. It's like when when the contrast like that and like it can it cannot get more contrasty than than this match honestly. Yes. Like,
2: but the first yeah. round that I'm very excited for, Andre is Brandon Nakashima against John Isner. Brandon Nakashima won two, fin- reached two finals this year, mm-hmm. at the 250 level, and he's an American, and he's from San Diego. Yeah, so you bet you've mentioned him a few you... times in this podcast. So, yes. Yeah, you, you bet, you bet. I want him to win. Yeah. I really do. Go, Brandon. Yes, like I actually, uh, like I've played against his brother and I played against his cousin, and I've like I know him personally. Like we literally That's went to the cool. same. Tutoring center for SAT prep four years ago. And here he is playing the US Open. I'm still doing cool. my master's degree yeah. in accounting. But, you know, we should,
0: should reach out to his uh, to his family and, and show him this yeah. podcast. Maybe yeah, yeah, going to get excited about this.
2: We need to get him on the podcast.
0: Yeah, let's try it.
2: I think, uh, you know, I, I think that would be amazing, especially if he goes on a big run here. It'll
0: uh, wow. be super cool. Yeah, it'll be amazing. Yeah, for real.
2: It'll be awesome. But, and he's beaten Isner already this summer. Uh, and he's lost to Isner in the Atlanta finals. So I'm really looking forward to that match. I'd still put Isner as a favorite, though. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, so I think Rude will actually get to the quarters. I think he, he can beat Diego or Isner mm. um, if they play each other.
0: I feel like um, should should Diego or Isner come through? Um, who do you think is going to be tougher for Kasper Rude? For Kasper um, Uh The tougher yeah.
2: opponent would be Isner, I think. Because yeah, he's he, so far behind the baseline. he uh, It's a very hmm. different kind of a look for him, like from all those clay court tournaments. And he just beat Schwartzman actually in Cincinnati, four and yeah. three, and he just kind of grinded him down because they yeah. play very similar styles. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Rude just hits with a lot more RPM. Uh, but uh, Isner is a different proposition. Uh, and I think by that point, uh, and then he'd have the crowd behind him. And Isner's made quarterfinals here at the US Open before. And he's had a very good summer. Um, and he's just, uh, you know, the fact that he is now old and he's uh, in the latter stages of his career, he just, he can play without pressure, is And that makes Isner very dangerous.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, And he do, Isner really loves playing at home too. So yeah,
2: he does. And his has been is one of his most consistent majors.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it, of Isner's like 16 or 15 titles, I believe, like.
2: Yeah. 15 of the only Only one
0: team. of them. Yeah. Only one of them was not in in, uh, in the US, right?
2: that's correct that's correct yeah
0: i don't even know where did he win a tournament that was not in the u.s honestly yeah,
2: good question i'm not sure either uh, <laughs> <laughs> i should know that though that's yeah <laughs> but yeah uh yeah actually yeah yeah that's the only there's only one title that he's won uh, outside of the u.s
0: good country though like you got all three surfaces you got three masters on thousands of grand yeah. slam like you can if you, if the US gets the ATP finals, like you don't even need to leave the US for for to play tennis at a higher level.
2: Yeah, it's a nice that we have uh, this whole swing uh, here. So that's yeah. like uh, you know, it's it's good for the states. It's just that we need a player to really like break through at the highest mm-hmm. level uh, for it to totally come true. But yeah. uh, because we've been just like waiting for that since pretty much since uh, Andy Roddick.
0: Exactly so so yeah like up to so we have two quarter finalists at the bottom and now we need to pick two quarter finalists here on top what do you think is going to make it it's it, i think it's definitely like the most difficult section i guess to pick quarter because it seems like i would probably say andre Rublev is going to make it into the the the, the quarterfinals in this yeah, section
2: i'm, I'm deaning Rublev as well um mm-hmm. i personally i'm just hoping that uh Felix, uh, who was on a very good run uh, in Cincinnati, and he made the fourth round of the US Open last year, mm-hmm. uh, and he just made quarterfinals of Wimbledon. Uh, the the uh, Felix I just find so hard to analyze because he's on the one hand he's having career best results. He's 15 in the world. He's made eight finals, and then you have to also look at that he hasn't won a set in those eight finals, and then he's made uh, fourth rounds, but then he was destroyed by a team, and then he's. Uh, he still suffers uh, some inconsistent results week in, week out. But when he's really on and he's firing on uh, all cylinders, just like Chapo, he can really, he can either make a lot of errors and lose, or he can just put it all together and he can look very spectacular. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, and then so the big test for him will be: can he get through RBA, and can he get through his first two rounds without uh, much drama? Yeah, but, I think then, be, so. Yeah. I would, I would love to see Felix and Rublev play each other in the fourth round. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. I think Rublev will get to the quarters. uh I, I mean, do.
0: The one thing that I'm, I'm, uh, questioning is whether RBA is actually going to win a match because he's going to well He, I don't think he was very fit lately. But um, RBA has also not been in his greatest like stretch mm-hmm. of his career right now. He's been losing quite a bit. It's been kind of pretty, um pretty faded i guess like in this in this season it has not happened much in like in his way not has been not not much has gone this way um so maybe you could if we could actually even see a, a felix um curios third uh third round yeah third round and yeah. i think it'll be, that could be really interesting too kind of like a rematch of wimbledon where um right. nick curios won a set um but got injured in midway through that one so had to retire
2: yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that happen. It's just that uh, I'm not sure where Nick's uh, fitness is at. Yeah, uh, and then also like RBA will just make Nick play a lot more balls. Uh, but but then like you said, like RBA is a bit on a bit of a decline, uh, especially this season. Uh, he's not been kind of the reliable guy to like face Djokovic and like face the top guys and like beat them. I mean, he he has had some good decent results this year. Like he made the Miami semifinal. He beat Medvedev there. He made two other two fifty finals. He beat uh, Rublev once, beat team once. But like apart from that, I agree with you. Like the for example the Wimbledon match against Shapovalov, that was kind of supposed to be a 50-50 match, but Shapovalov basically dominated. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, and then uh, and then the, if you look at the summer, like he got to the quarters and watch Mont- in Toronto, I want to say, and then he lost to Radio Pelka. Yeah. You know, which is a winnable match. Uh but yeah, it's he's kind of like a PCB, but PCB is younger and probably in better form. <laughs> yeah. But yeah,
0: um, I guess it's it's RBA PCB, like the three-letter <laughs> dual. They're both yeah. on Spain too, eh? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, and they both uh, you know have their best results on hard courts. So interesting, yeah. Yeah, I'm
0: hitting flatter, like a very very similar style.
2: Metronomic consistency from the base yeah. but. Yeah. yeah, so you have to play high level yeah.
0: to beat them. But so we got the finalist, the semi finalist here. Yeah, so so I um, think
2: Sitsipas will get to the semis.
0: Oh yeah, it's uh, true. Yeah, Tzipi Pass. to the semis. You think?
2: Yeah, he has a very tough draw. The thing is, he'll face Murray, and then he's actually never beaten Pierre Hubert before. Mm. But uh, you know, I mean, he should he should beat Pierre Hubert in best of five sets. Then it gets tougher, like because you have Nori and Alcaraz. So like he'll probably have to face Nori again because uh, yeah. Nori has been so consistent this year, wins a lot of matches. And then he has to face Ugo Ombair, who he just beat for the first time in Montreal. And Umbert beat him at the Olympics. Uh, and also the last time they played in the so lefty and a big server and, put, you know, just really bothers Tsitsipas, especially on his backhand return. So that could get very interesting. I, I think Ombair uh, would be Tsitsipas' toughest test in the fourth round, in my opinion, because I do think Umber, uh can probably get through he has Garin in this section, but I, I think he beats Garin. Garin is mm-hmm. more of a clay quarter. Although last time I said that he made the fourth round of the bullet. but but he also had a very good draw. So yeah, uh, you know I, I think Umber, Sitsipas I think I like uh, I like Sitsipas to come through, and then against Rublev, Rublev just hasn't shown me the next step, uh, which is to win a major quarterfinal. He's been in four of them, but he's never won mm-hmm. a set uh, in any of the four, um, and he's been kind of exposed uh, by Medvedev and Sitsipas and their all-round games, as opposed to his phenomenal plan A uh, and some good improvements here and there. But um, I just don't think physically he's ready yet to take that next step. And I think Sitsipas, if he's in the quarters and he's not too fatigued and he's uh, in a good headspace, like he just has a better all-round game, much more physical um, and uh, just uses all parts of the court more, attacks more. um, And so those kind of intangibles, I think, would work in his favor. Although, you know, Rublev has had success at that matchup too. So mm. and need did just yeah. beat Medvedev. Um, so was,
0: so you're so, thinking uh, Medvedev? You Medvedev? Th- we're thinking basically. Well, you're thinking basically one and one and four, oh, one and four and two and two and three, right, for semis.
2: Yes, just because I, I just don't think uh, I just don't uh, know anybody who can really like Medvedev. I'm very uh, like, Djokovic. I'm very confident in getting to the semis. Um, you know, Zverev less so, but I think he he will also get there. Uh, especially because I don't think he has a like a tough court fourth round quarterfinal opponent. Like if he's playing PCB and stuff, it's not uh, it's not like a like if he's at his best, he'll win. And then same thing with uh, Rublev and Tsitsipas. I think is the most open quarterfinal. That's mm-hmm. the one where I could see an upset. Uh, that's the one where I could see uh, I could see Rublev really troubling Tsitsipas. Uh, and like rushing him, or like really, fit or like really uh, trying to problem solve and make the match a lot more competitive. Uh, but the, out of the four, I think he's the least likely to get to the semis. Is Steph, uh, in my opinion, okay. he, he has mm-hmm. the toughest draw to get there.
0: Yeah. So for for us right now, like we're standing at, like I say, Djokovic, Chop, Chapovalov, and you're saying in Medvedev. I'm gonna go for Tsitsipas as well. I feel like Tsitsipas. It, it, He's reached the semifinals also in in Australia. It was the semifinals, right? He beat Nadal. Yeah. Um, so it could be I feel like he, he's not stranger to like playing well in hard courts. And he lost a tough match against Riley Opelka. So it's not like he Yeah, and a tough you know, match too as
2: yeah. last week where he was up two breaks in the final set. Yeah,
0: exactly. So it's not like he's bad at, at, on hard court. So like I feel like he can he can push this, he can uh, turn this around in his favor. Um, but I, I will say definitely the final is going to be, in my opinion, Medvedev Djokovic. You're going to get a rematch from Australia. And a deserved one, I think. gonna It could be the match that we that we were hoping for in Australia is going to happen, I guess, in the US Open.
2: You know, and that's the match I really hope for because uh, that would be the most fitting way to end this slam, number one and number two. The two best players on hard court, for sure, without question, the last three years, the last three yeah. seasons, 2019, 2020, and 2021. Um, so that would be the the best way. And, you know, you do want to see Djokovic get revenge on that guy, right? In the semis. Um, the only thing is that uh, it's a dangerous match for Novak, given also that the context of Serena Williams losing to Roberto Vinci, that was also a semifinal. And uh, given that he just lost him, I think the fact that he lost him at the Olympics, uh, I think that could help Novak here, um, especially mm-hmm. in best of five sets but yeah. i do think this is where novak will really have to play his best so you know how i said that he has to be at 75 to 80% getting to the semis not anymore semi finals and on he has to be at 90 to 100 he has to play his absolute very yeah. best he wants to yeah, win i think so too it will require a lot especially against um, you know very good movers like zverev and yeah. medvedev so i think uh, i think i agree with you I, i'm also going with Joe, which meant medvedev that, uh, that's my final pick and i don't want to analyze yeah. those matches in too great of a depth because you know that haven't happened yet two weeks from now and
0: yeah I feel like yeah
2: but, but my countries that it'll just yeah. be a lot closer than uh the Australian Open. I just have a feeling because I mm-hmm. mean if they were if they were to meet just because of everything on the line Medvedev will have learned hopefully from his mistakes at the Australian yeah. Open. Um and he wouldn't the one thing that I'd I'd just be fascinated to see just from a tactical standpoint. I'd just like to see if Medvedev come in a lot more uh, behind those short balls and not yeah, just yeah. kind of Uh, play a metronomic game from the baseline and then backpedal back and then give Djokovic the advantage Yeah, Um, because Djokovic is going to try to maneuver Medvedev around the court. He's going to try to use his um, all-court game and drop shots and angles and slices and he's going to try to disrupt Medvedev's rhythm because that's how you have success against Medvedev. You can't really always hit through him. You have to hit around him. And so what adjustments does Medvedev then make and how does he rebound from losing a tough set? That's what I'm kind of looking at. And then the crowd and then you
0: no. yeah but overall um i, I would mind. i will say i am feeling rather confident djokovic is going to make it again i think i'm feeling like djokovic is going to be there on the mission he's yeah. he's done this 20 times before he's no stranger to winning grand slams maybe there's a little bit of uncharted territory because it would be the first time that he leads the race on the grand slams right um and he would be playing for the grand slam so right. maybe maybe we could see some some big emotions from, from the man. But, I agree
2: with you. And I think this is but, yeah. one thing where Djokovic is supremely motivated by history. He's supremely yeah. motivated by this exactly. task. And he knows he can basically sit out the rest of the season. He can basically have a dip even at the start of next season. And then maybe pull himself together by Wimbledon or something like that because the feat of this achievement, you know, um, yeah. maybe, you know maybe there's a drop off after this, but he this is it. Like this is his whole, this, like if he achieves yes. this, you know, unequivocally, he's the best player of all time. Yeah. So.
0: And so, I think he hasn't really been looking too much into it until he won Roland Garros. I feel like as, as soon as he won Ron Roland Garros, he looked at Wimbledon and he said, like, if I win Wimbledon,
3: yeah,
0: I am not going to, you know, I will give everything I have to win. Even if it's the last Grand Slam he wins, I think he's, yeah. he's going to try and make it this and one to beat his really be his line. It's not going to be easy. The fact that he's now he's
2: become the first guy to of- yeah, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold
0: on. Hold on. Put it back. <laughs> oh,
2: sorry. Yeah, the fact yeah. that he's the first guy to have won all the first three majors since nineteen sixty nine, and that he's this close, and that he's not played in three weeks, and that he's going to do absolutely everything to peak at peak in those last two or three rounds, and his ability to block everything else out and just focus on the moment—that's uh, what's won him all these big matches and in clutch situations and over the past decade, a decade and a half. So it'll be a huge, huge moment in tennis history. Uh, the biggest stakes the highest stakes i've ever seen going into any major um, and look I, I mean having nadal and federer around it's not as big of a it's, it's really uh it doesn't make it easier i think it, yeah it, it doesn't make it easy because you know when those guys are not around at least uh, in terms of spotlight the attention is not on him it's on those two guys it's on serena it's on venus yeah it's, it's kind so of like last his. year so it's kind of like last year in that sense, except we have a crowd and except there's more at exactly, it yeah. speaks, So, and uh, the other three guys have gotten better. So there's that too. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this tournament, see how it shapes out, but I, I'm predicting the same thing as you. I'm going to say Djokovic in four tight sets, maybe five, mm-hmm. four or five sets uh, in the final yeah. over Medvedev. That's my final
0: prediction. Yeah. yeah
2: okay i so, went chalk uh, I went, it, I went you chalk, say you uh,
0: say five what, sorry
2: yeah i'm saying i went chalk on my seeds one two three and four. Yeah. so i went so bold right it's the, the it's most a,
0: the most conservative way to do something
2: but uh, but I, I really believe um, that's yeah. how it'll play out so yeah
0: but yeah so you, you said five sets right in the final i really hope it's going to be that and
2: as always like i don't uh, four, I or five, four or five yeah
0: I'm, I'm just, honestly like i don't at that point like I just hope, like in the final, it's gonna be a good one. Like, I hope it's gonna be a good four setter or five setter.
2: I'll say tight four sets. That's yeah, my tight four sets. Right so Medvedev has lost a straight set final. He's yeah. lost a five set final, and now yeah. he'll lose a four set final.
0: It would be super cool if you got like a like a, a four setter, just like um, like when Pete Sampras played under Agassi, and there was not a single break in the in the match. It would be super oh interesting to see how that one, uh, something like that happening again it would be really interesting.
2: Yeah, that was yeah. 2001, right? The best match, 2001 quarterfinals—the best match they ever played out of thir- their 34 meetings. Yeah, it's uh, incredible. Yeah, <laughs> one Described of the best referees of all time for sure. Described yeah. in depth by the one and only Steve Flink in his book. Oh. So. so, should yeah,
0: should, yeah should record an episode just about that match in particular.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I guess they'll they'll cover it for the men's tournament. Um, let us know in the comments well, in the comments as if there's a youtube video like uh, let us know on twitter um if you have objections about like our predictions or if you think that we missed something um just let us know let us chat uh we are super excited to be back in action again like uh, maybe uh take the 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 twitter account out of a dormant state and me getting a little bit more um uh, into twitter again why do take a little bit a break a little bit of a break we, you yeah you can follow me uh, you can follow all yeah. of us
2: on uh, our personal yeah. accounts but I, i've been taking a bit of a break uh, from twitter yeah. just with a lot of uh, school work and stuff going on in my uh, uh in my new program which has just started um, at university mm-hmm. so i just thought i'd take a little bit of a break and come back uh, refreshed for the u.s open so i will be active yeah. again on twitter next week Nice. Um, so you, can, you can follow me there and you can follow Owen at Tennis Nation. He does a great job on his Twitter account. Yeah, One of the nicest people ever on Twitter. <laughs> he, yeah. Owen can't be rude, even if he tried. He's, he's so nice. <laughs> Just uh, yeah, such a good really, guy. It's really nice.
0: So, Super excited to have him back again for the next yeah. few episodes. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, anyways, uh, thanks so much for listening and uh, hope you enjoyed the US Open. Hope your favorite player does something that makes you happy and uh, whatever.
3: Yep. Um,
0: let's chat like uh, on twitter we are at vansh 2 uh, I am at rollenberg andre Tanners and bagels at Tanners and bagels uh and owen is at Tanners nation as revanche said and, uh, and yeah, uh, yeah.
2: Just- please please also leave us a review on itunes that'd be much appreciated uh subscribe. yeah if
0: you're gonna give us a five-star review if you like this episode or any other episode that you're ever listening listen to- that would be great too so yeah thanks a lot and uh, enjoy the weekend in the u.s open see ya